Why, Romans chapter number 12, Romans chapter number 12, and we will conclude our study through this chapter this evening, and I trust uh, that you have enjoyed hearing it as much as I have enjoyed teaching it. Uh, I have greatly uh, enjoyed uh, learning these truths, being reminded of these truths. Uh, I've enjoyed being able to teach them, and uh, now we get to live what we've been taught uh, we can't claim ignorance. I didn't know. And uh, learning the Word of God, living the Word of God, and excited about uh, what the Lord has for us this evening. And I would trust that uh, uh, week in and week out as we uh, learn things from the Scripture, uh, that we will work to apply them and incorporate them uh, into our life. And uh, that is the goal. And tonight, uh, I'm looking forward to the conclusion of this chapter. And next Wednesday night, Lord willing, we'll get into a different chapter. You say, Pastor, what chapter is it? You've got to come next week to find out. Uh, come next week, and uh, we'll, we'll get into another chapter uh, next, next coming uh, Wednesday night. But let's read verse uh, 20 and 21 of Romans chapter number 12. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink, for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. I don't know if you remember, way, way back at the beginning of the year, we started in verse number one. And I said a few times in passing, you need to grasp what God is telling us at the beginning of this chapter, because it is the only way we're going to be able to live what comes at the end of the chapter. Now, I know you were so glued into what I was saying, nobody read ahead to see what the end of the chapter was. Uh, but we have come to the end of the chapter, and it's obvious uh, the group of people that we are going to be dealing with tonight, and that is our enemies. Now, by way of, before I even pray tonight, let me just say, uh, an enemy, we, we, just, we just define an enemy by how God defines an enemy. Uh, just because, okay, it's not football season yet, so if you're a Seminole, the Gators, well, I have to think of that. Yeah, they're the enemy, so no, no, uh, no we, we label people as an enemy when they have a disagreement with us. Uh, but yet, when God calls somebody an enemy, we, we want to befriend them. So an enemy is somebody that God calls an enemy. Uh, for example, God says, uh, you cannot be his friend and a friend of the world. Uh, you're on opposite sides. Uh, and so we need to take that into to context. Uh, some, some people will uh, make you an enemy. They will be your enemy because of your position on scriptural matters. Uh, we become the enemy. And so we want to think of the enemy tonight as we think of uh, our surrender, as we talked about at the beginning of the chapter, our transformation uh, the renewing of our mind, having the mind of Christ is the only way uh, we're going to be able to live through all of these verses, especially getting to the end. And we get to the end, we're talking about good and evil. And this, the truth I'm going uh, to tie the whole chapter together with tonight is a powerful truth, but we've got to understand uh, the journey that we've been on. So tonight I want to teach on the treatment of your enemies. The treatment of your enemies. Let's pray. Father... We need you tonight. We need uh, the Holy Spirit of God to help us in understanding and instructing us in the uh, Scripture tonight, how we should live. Uh, Father, we've learned so much through this chapter. We come to this conclusion. 
of this chapter this evening may, as we consider uh, a group of people that are hard to deal with, uh, how, how should we deal with them? What you, how you've instructed us to deal with them. And by doing so, may you get the honor. Bless our service this evening, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, as I've already mentioned alluded to, by verse, from verse 1 to verse 21, we've seen a progression of true surrender. And I hope you get that in your mind. Let me just remind you of that before I, I get in deep into the, the Scripture tonight. Uh, surrender is not a one-time thing. You have got to constantly be surrendering your life, surrendering your heart to the things of God. Uh, and it is a progression. Well, I, I surrendered that. Well, you know, sometimes we surrender and we take back. And we thought we surrendered something that we really didn't surrender. And so we've seen this progression of offering ourselves as a sacrifice. And by doing that, it's saying, God, you have all of me. So we can handle when God says, let's renew your mind, rebel against the, the world. We can handle that when he says, everybody has a part in the local church and you need to fulfill your part. And then how to do good to people and then how not to do evil to people. And we get to the conclusion of the chapter and we find again in verse number 20, therefore if thine enemy hunger. Now, how a lot of us would, if we were writing the Bible, therefore if thy enemy hunger, good. That's not what God says. If thy, therefore if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, good. No. Give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Let me make the first statement tonight. We should do good to our enemies for their, their sake. It's going to be very, very simple, very practical. We should do good to our enemies for their sake. So, Pastor, are you talking about when somebody's hungry, feeding them, therefore that way they're not hungry? Well, that certainly would apply. Pastor, are you saying to somebody, if my enemy is thirsty, to give them drinks so that they're not thirsty? That certainly applies. But I, we, there's something greater to that. Because when someone is an enemy of a Christian, whether, if, they're sa- if they're a saved person, but another Christian an enemy... That, that's not pleasing to God. That's not what God wants. And therefore, uh, God wants all men at peace with Him. God wants all men in fellowship with Him. So while certainly feeding an enemy who's hungry would give him a temporary relief of his discomfort, giving a drink when someone is thirsty would give a temp- temporary relief of their discomfort, there's more to it than that. We, we should live our days. We should live our life. We want, to be in, we want to please God and honor God with our life. Are you with me tonight? That is why God has us here to honor Him, to please Him. We're here at His pleasure. That's why if He wants us to go through suffering, we're here at His pleasure. That's why if He wants to bless us, that's the kind of pleasure we like it, didn't He? He wants to bless us, to give Him honor. That We are at His pleasure. But sometimes God will put people in our life to combat us because there's a greater work that He wants done, not just in our life, in their life. And He is expecting you and I to act scripturally and principally so He can do the work in their life. You have to, continue, you have to take that, that complete verse in context. What happens when we feed our hungry enemy? 
What happens when we give drink to our thirsty enemy? The Bible tells us, For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Some of you are getting excited just thinking about that. Some of you are saying, oh, I think we ought to do that literally, not figuratively. Heap fire, coals of fire, that burning, that pain, that discomfort. See, what God is saying is when you feed a hungry enemy, you give drink to a thirsty enemy, it's as if he, heaping coals of fire on their head. What it is, is giving God an opportunity to work in their life. Verse 19, we saw that last week. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. We, learned, we saw last week, uh, it is not our responsibility, our job to avenge ourselves, but it is God's. It, it, our task is to obey God and be Christ-like. We should not, we're, you're going to have enemies in life. How many of you men have a mother-in-law? Okay. Case in point right there. You're going to have enemies in life. Some of you didn't think that was too funny. Because, you know, it was too painful to think of, I guess. When people wrong us, we automatically get, most of the time we get distracted from just obeying God. And how do I even up things? That's not what we're supposed to do. God has reminded us, I'll take care of that. We are supposed to do good to those that do evil to us. And the Bible mentions the coals of fire. What we have to remember is like, oh, I'm going to be nice so that it'll hurt. Now, there is a truth in this that when, you, when, it, when an enemy does evil to you and you do good to them, that's very uncomfortable. Not just for the person doing the good, but for the one receiving the good. And the Bible likens it to coals of fire. And you've got to be reminded tonight that those coals of fire are not for pain and punishment, but for softening and purifying. I think many times we misinterpret that, oh, I'm going to ruin their day by being nice to them. Well, it may ruin their day if you're nice to them, but there's more to it than that. See, when somebody tries to harm you, somebody does evil to you, somebody slanders you, somebody mistreats you, and you treat them as Christ would treat them, and they're saved, they have the Holy Spirit of God inside of them that says, that's exactly how you should treat others. And so those coals of fire, what is, the most, what is the most uncomfortable thing for somebody who's not right with God? For the Holy Spirit of God to churn inside of them and to put them under conviction and to keep them awake at night and do a work in them. And you know what happens when, when an enemy does what's wrong to you and you give them food when they're hungry, you give them drink when they're thirsty. It's as coals of fire for the purpose of softening and purifying them. And it, it reminds them of what a Christian, if they're saved, uh, it some, see, sometimes a, black, a backslidden Christian needs to be reminded of what a real Christian looks and acts like. And you acting that way, me acting that way, 
God, Holy Spirit of God can use that. You say, well, they're never hungry, so I don't have to feed them. They're never thirsty, so I don't have to give them a drink. Well, let's, let's, let's broaden the context here. If you have the ability and the power to do something good for them, that's what the Scripture's talking about. Um, it's not talking about you have to be a punching bag. It's talking about if you have an opportunity to do what Christ would do. It is, it is an opportunity. You know, sometimes a lost person needs to see what a real Christian looks and acts like. None of us likes to get cut off in traffic. None of us likes to be treated rudely when we're doing business. None of us likes to be mistreated. But how are we going to respond? God, see, see, God, why are you, why are you doing this to me? Well, God is always trying to put us in positions to prove us. So that we can live by faith and live out of obedience. But I believe in my whole heart, sometimes we have enemies not for us because God's counting on us to respond the right way so that He can do a work in their life. So He can do a work in their heart. Is this making sense? So uh, sometimes, we, or all the time, we should do good to our enemies for their sake. Okay, number two. This one's going to be real deep. We should do good to our enemies for our sake. It is an unmatched area of surrender to do good to those that do evil to you. We would say, oh, I want to surrender to God. Oh, I want to do what God wants. Oh, God, you have my life. Well, here's your enemy. Do good to him. Anything but that, Lord. This is a hard area for every one of us. Anything but that. You should do good for them, but you should do good to your enemies for you. Because the only way you are going to do that is if you're completely surrendered to God. The only way you are going to do that, and I am going to do that, because it is completely against your nature. Our nature is, this is one area we say, let's go back to that Old Testament law. An eye for an eye. Our nature is to get even. Our nature is, they, they, they wronged me, so therefore, they're not worth the time of day. They're not worth the goodness that would be bestowed on them. But can, can, can God, is it possible, just supposedly tonight, is it possible that God will allow an enemy to come into our life so that it will take us to a greater place of surrender to Him? Is it possible? Just is it possible? I would think if we answer that question honestly, uh, it is very possible, and in many cases probable, well, that person just rubs me the wrong way, and I know they always have it out for, for, for me. Well, do good to them because it'll do good for them, but do good for them because of you. Well, they need to get right. God may be doing it so you get right. It will take complete surrender. God uses enemies. God often uses enemies to do evil, that do evil to us as a means to try us and get us a place in complete surrender. I'm not saying God is behind the evil. But I'm saying that God, if somebody's going to do evil, God will say, well, here's, here, I'll, I'll use this. I'll use this to try you. I'll use this to take you to a 
complete surrender. Let's be honest, when it comes to our friends, isn't it a lot easier to be good to our friends? So, oh, it's easy. Oh, I just want to be good to you. Oh, thank you. You're so much like Christ. It's not hard. Now, some of you that are selfish and tight, well, anyway, that's a whole other. That's not hard to be good to your friends. But let somebody who does evil to you, somebody who is enemy to you, you, and God may bring them into your life. God may bring them into your world. Yes, so you can do good to them, and he can work in their heart, and he can do a work in their life, but he may do it to see just how surrendered you are. See, uh, the, the, the goal, Christian, we got to get out of our mind, the goal is, for me, is not for me to be comfortable in my Christian life. The goal is for me to be surrendered. My goal is not for me to even be successful in my Christian life. My goal is for me to be surrendered and to honor God with my life. That is success in the Christian life. And we have the wrong standard so many times of what is my goal as a Christian. My goal as a Christian is to get through the day and have nothing to get in my way and make it as easy as possible. Well, we all like days like that, but all days aren't like that. Our goal is to please God. And if God has to bring somebody into our life who is an enemy to us, I mean, this is hard to do. I need to do good. We should do good to our enemies for their sake. Everybody with me? We should do good to our enemies for our sake. You've got to be surrendered. So they don't deserve it. Let me drive this point home. It's been a theme throughout this. We've got to stop living in a way that we live because I deserve it or they deserve it or they don't deserve it. We have to live in a way that I'm going to please God. I'm going to obey the scripture. I'm going to honor him. Whether they deserve it or not, doesn't matter. Whether it's hard or difficult, doesn't matter. What does God want from my life? And so if I'm going to live this way, then I have to be completely surrendered so that I can live this way. We ought to do good to our enemies for our sake. Now, number three, I've only got three points tonight. Are you proud of me? This one's just two pages. We won't be real long, real long but I want you to get this. This is, this is, this is, this is crucial. The last verse of this chapter, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. We've started at the beginning of this chapter. We've got some very, very core commands of what a Christian needs to do to please and honor God. We've got to surrender. We've got to be transformed. We've got to be plugged into that local body of believers. We've got to be right with our relationships and our ministry. What is it that I can do for God in this this body? We've got to have all of that and Oh, I've got to rejoice with them that rejoice. And that's what I've been happy for. I've got to weep with them that weep. And oh, it's not all about me. It's not all about avenging myself. Uh, somebody, somebody wrong. Okay, whatever. Just dust it off and go. It doesn't matter because we're not here to, to, to please them. We're here to please God. And my reaction 
to those that do good to me and bad to me, what I do is going to please God or, or displease God. That's the way I've got, to, I've got to live. And so we get to the end and God is saying, don't pay back those that do evil to you. And remember, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And we come to this, this idea of the enemies. Uh, do good to them. We come to the last verse, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the third point. Good or evil, either good or evil will be your master. Either good or evil will be your master. Follow my thinking. What is evil? Evil is wrong done with the intent to hurt another. Uh, we all are sinners, right? Now, sin, generally speaking, all sin is evil because it wrongs God. But we sin because we're flesh. We sin when we get away from fellowship with God. We sin because it is our nature. There is a difference in me being in a hurry through a crowd and accidentally bumping into somebody. Now, if I bump into them, which happens about 42 times every service, did, I might not have meant to, but did I bump into them? I could have even, in some cases, I could have knocked somebody down. And I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that, but I did it. There's a difference in that, in seeing somebody, and when they turn... Going and knocking them down on purpose. It could be the same action, but one had intent. We're all sinners. We're going to sin. Evil is sin with the intent to harm. That's why you can say abortion is evil. Because there's an intent to harm. Gossip. Slander is evil because it has an intent to harm. So God puts it in a very strong category. It's got that intent. It's wrong done with the intent to hurt another. Evil in its nature is aggressive. That's its nature. I just mentioned gossip. I'll use gossip. I know we don't have a problem with that, but I'll, I'll use gossip. If, you, if you're going to use gossip to hurt somebody, you're going to use gossip to slander someone, it's not going to go to one person and stay. Because that's not, his, that's not his nature. Its nature is to continue and do damage and damage and damage and damage because it's evil. It's aggressive. But it's not invincible. Evil, let me tell you what it's not, is not an independent entity. What do you mean by that? Evil doesn't just float out there and you bump into it. No, oh, there's evil. It's not a cartoon. We're an experiment going bad. And now they're evil. No, evil is not just some entity that you just bump into. And sometimes we like to talk in generalities. Well, there's, that's just a whole bunch of evil. Uh, evil has an intent. Okay, so... Stay with me. It's okay, Pastor. If evil is not an independent entity, where does it come from? Evil comes from a wicked heart and a wicked life. 
Do you know a churchgoer can do evil? Not everybody who... Evil isn't, combined, isn't, it isn't confined to Planned Parenthood. There's a lot of evil that rests very comfortably on church pews. Because it comes from a wicked heart. I know, I know people who they live, they live the cleanest life you could possibly live, morally speaking. There are things they would never do. There's things they would never say. But they have an evil heart. And therefore they do evil. That's why you and I ought to be afraid of evil. That's why evil inside of a church is will destroy a church. That's why sometimes this might, this might click with some people. You may have heard a preacher say, I'd rather have somebody I pull out of a bar on Friday night than a gossiping woman in my church. That just doesn't make sense. She might gossip, but she doesn't drink. I don't think you should drink. And, it, it, you know, a couple of you ladies, I'm tired of pulling you out of the bar on Friday night. <laughs> I, I, I'm not condoning that. But one is a failure in their life. The other is evil. There's a difference. And Christians, this doesn't really tie into what I'm going to finish with, but we need to keep our head on a swivel when it comes to evil and not be so naive because somebody's cleaned up very well, but evil comes from an evil heart. Okay? Good. That word just sounds a lot better than evil, doesn't it? Good, likewise, is not something that floats around in the air and we catch it. It's not. A lot of times we say, well, I just go down to church tonight and I just get in there on, on, on Sunday morning and, I just, and then I don't have to come back. I'll just, get, I'll just catch good. Well, I'm like, no, you don't catch good. You're going to hear truth. It's, good is an act that is derived or comes from goodness itself. Say, so, you mean it doesn't come from a good heart? There's no such thing. What does the Bible say about man's heart? It's deceitful. Desperately wicked. So, a Christian can be evil and do evil works. Why? Because evil comes from an evil heart. An unsurrendered mind. A, not, a, trans, a mind that's not transformed. Uh, an unsurrendered life. That evil can come out. And someone can say, I can, be, I, can, I can attend the same church and I can, do, I can be an enemy of somebody. So you're going ha- to have enemies. And so, uh, Pastor, Pastor, I'm not falling. Stay with me. Good is an act that, must come, that comes from goodness. Itself. Now, we're talking about be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You have evil and good, good and evil, the battle of good and evil. How old is that battle? See, evil is the nature of Satan. God kicked Satan out of heaven. And, and evil began with Satan. 
Man was perfect until Satan introduced him to sin and man fell. Evil comes from Satan. So when we say it's the battle of good and evil, what are we really saying? Good is the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's good. He's, he's, you say, well, well, let's put this, this term good, this often relative, let's put it in its proper perspective. If Jesus is good, and He is, and He is the source of good, it means good in this context is void of any evil at all. It's void of any sin. Is void of any wrong thought towards somebody. Is void of any wrong action. It is not possible for him to do an act against somebody else. You and I have to constantly be surrendering our minds, surrendering our hearts, surrendering our mouths, because it's easy to speak a word before we think it against somebody. God, God doesn't have to do that. He is good. So evil comes from Satan. Good comes from God. Everybody with me? Notice we have that established. Everybody, everybody, okay? We're going to take a quiz real quick. Everybody, two of you just woke up, okay. Let's notice our text. I want you to do, I want you to notice something with me. I'm going to Leave off a few words in this verse, and I want you to follow and hear what the verse is saying. Be not overcome, but overcome. Do you see it? Our mind automatically goes to evil and good, which works are important. We're going to come back to that. But there's a greater truth in there that the evil is attached to and the good is attached to. You follow me? Be not overcome, but overcome. Okay? Evil seeks to over, overcome you. So how do we overcome that? Overcome evil with good. The word overcome means to subdue, to conquer, to dominate. So, we get to the end of verse 21, and we've been told to surrender. We've been told to transform our mind. We've been told uh, to, 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 to offer ourselves and rebel against this world. We're going we're to renew our mind, transform our life. We're going to do good to people. We're going to love people. And then uh, we, we get to, the, we get to the, the, the conclusion of the chapter, verse 21, and we're told, Be not overcome, but overcome. Our goal is to overcome and not be overcome. Evil comes from Satan himself. Evil is that act of, of doing, doing harm to somebody else. So when, you, when evil is done to you, someone is just mimicking Satan. They are just doing what Satan would have them do. We don't want to be overcome by evil. But what is it that strikes to our heart? What is it that gets in our mind? The evil that is done to us. And then it is our nature... If you have an unsurrendered mind, it takes your mind that long 
begin to conspire. How long does it take for the emotions to just get started in that anger? That is evil overcoming you. That is evil subduing the surrender. Subduing the renewed mind. Subduing the transformed life. Subduing the actions that is laid out for us to do. It is evil overcoming. And God is saying at the end of this chapter, Be not overcome. You've made the steps you've needed to make. You've said, God, I give you my life. I have to have my mind renewed. I want to have the mind of Christ. I'm serving the Lord in the church. I'm, I'm, I'm rejoicing with other Christians. I'm weeping with other Christians. We get to that place in our heart, and that place in our life, that is when Satan is coming. God says, be not overcome, be not subdued, be not conquered by evil, but subdue evil with good. Okay? That word overcome means subdue. Let's read it like that. Be not subdued of evil, but subdue evil with good. That sounds simple, doesn't it? Don't let evil subdue you. Don't let evil conquer you. But instead, everybody with me? You subdue evil. Sounds simple, doesn't it? But let's remember, when you deal with evil, you must remember where evil originates. And evil originates with Satan. Be not overcome of evil. Be not subdued by evil. But you subdue evil. Okay. Sounds easy enough. But can man conquer, subdue Satan? No. Satan, in the form of a serpent, came to man in the Garden of Eden. Eve partook, Adam followed suit, and we had the follow man, and sin has been passed down to every man since then. Man was subdued by evil. Sin. And there's a payment for being subdued by evil. There's Christians who let evil, what somebody has done to them, they could, they could get victory over the, 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 the vices of this world. They could get victory over the life that they were living. But let somebody wrong them and they, have, they get subdued by that, and bitterness sets in, they try and respond in the wrong way, and that's how the devil gets them. See, there's a price to pay for being subdued by evil. In the Garden of Eden, uh, Eve was subdued, Adam was subdued, man was subdued. And God said, I'm casting you out. And at that point, every man has the same future. One that only ends one way when you have been subdued by evil. But good left heaven and went to the cross of Calvary and bridged the gap between us being subdued and God. That's why in the book of Revelation... 
it, it says that, that, that you can't, it can't, he cannot overcome the blood of the Lamb. Because good has subdued him. Christ has subdued him. This is where Christians mess up. Scripture says, be not overcome of evil. Be not subdued of evil. Someone does evil to us. It cannot be excused. There's a heavy price to pay, according to Scripture, for doing evil to another. It may not happen today. It may not happen tomorrow. But it, judgment, will come. There's a heavy price to pay. Someone who would do evil intentionally cause harm to another. But that's not my department. Pastor, somebody does evil to you. Somebody's wronged you. How do you deal with it? I don't worry about what happens to them. That's not my department. Because we're told vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And what, how, how do I, re- I can't let evil, I cannot be subdued by evil, I can't allow evil to happen. Now, if I allowed myself to be unsurrendered, if I put down the mind of Christ and picked up my carnal mind and said, okay, I'm going to fight evil with evil. Let me, two can play at this game. I can, I, can, I can fight evil with, well, let me tell you what I know about them. That's fighting evil with evil. What sense does it make to come, if I came out here and said, okay, Satan's fighting, he's attacking me. How are you going to battle? I'm going to battle Satan with Satan. You look at me like, what? just like some of you did right then. Are you crazy? Is that not where evil originates? So if evil comes from Satan himself trying to hurt and harm and destroy a child of God, if I respond with evil, therefore I am now overcome and subdued by evil. Be not overcome or subdued of evil, but you subdue evil. You overcome evil. Well, no man is a match for Satan. So how do we combat Satan? Well, how was our sin combated by good? By Christ? You cannot overcome Satan with Satan. You can only overcome Satan with Christ. So if somebody does me evil... I can respond one or two ways. I can say, I'm going to fight fire with fire. Or I'm going to say, I can fight Satan with Satan. I can fight evil with evil. What's happened? I've been overcome. We, we know this verse. We quote this verse. We've heard this verse. But you've got to tag it on the end of the first 20 verses of this chapter. We've made a lot of progress, haven't we? This journey. Everybody with me? We started... We say, God, I'm making my life a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable. That's my goal. That's my desire. But I don't have it in me. So what do I have to do? I, I have to have a transformation. How do I have a transformation? I've got to have a renewing of my mind. 
I've got to have the Scriptures. I've got to have the mind of Christ. And the more I read this Bible, the more I study this Bible, the more I sit in Sunday school classes and church services, I begin to think like Christ would think. I begin to think according to this word. Oh, what progress have we made? And now I'm part of a church? I never thought I'd be part of a church, much less the Baptist church, much less an independent Baptist church. I never thought that would happen. Now I'm not only in the church, I'm serving in the church. I have discovered that there is something that I can do for God to serve one another in the church. What, a, what an unbelievable thing. I've discovered that when God created me, He gave me a gift. He gave me something that I can use that only I have. Wow. And now, I, I'm, I'm, I am loving unconditionally. I'm treating everybody the same because that's how Christ treats everybody. And oh, along the way, I'm, I'm, I'm blessing them. I'm, I'm cursing. Not, oh, they're cursing. Oh, whatever. And I'm, just, I'm just as happy as can be serving God. Oh, no, one of my brothers and sisters in Christ, they're hurting. And before I knew it, I felt a tear coming down my face because my heart had been knit to theirs, and I didn't even realize it. And oh, the rejoicing. I never thought I would cheer over the things I'm cheering for now. Oh, and I'm rejoicing. How far have we come? And oh, here comes the devil. I used to have you. When you got saved, I lost your soul. But now you're causing me trouble. Because that church which the gates of hell shall not prevail in, you're a part of that. You're serving in it. You, you, you're becoming more like the person I hate with everything in me. So I'm going to do you evil. And that's the devil's goal is to overcome or subdue you. Where you're not surrendered. You don't have the transformed life anymore. Now your life is like it was you're not serving in the church like you were. Now that brother or sister in Christ has one less person to care and weep with them and pray for them. And, and, and now the seeds of bitterness have set in. What has happened? You've been running your race and you've been overcome with what? Evil. But friend, you don't have to be overcome of evil. Because good, Christ has overcome and subdued Satan. Amen. Subdued him. Because of that, you don't have to be overcome. But where you will be overcome is when you try and fight Satan with Satan. You try and beat him at his own game. You can't. And now he has you doing evil to somebody. Well, they did evil to me. It's still evil. It's still evil. You, th you, you think you're going to be concerned about lost souls when you're doing evil? You think you're going to be concerned about what's going on in the church when you're doing evil? Now you're overcome. You're not surrendered to God. You're not bringing honor to God because that's not... Well, what do I do? Don't, don't fight Satan with Satan. Fight Satan with Christ. What is he going... What would Christ do? What did, did Christ do? 
He let people pluck his beard, spit in his face, accuse him. And he answered not a word. Why is that? Because he was on a mission from his father. Now, while you, what God put us here on this planet to do will not, cannot even, it doesn't even pale in comparison to what Christ came to do. We still have a mission from our Father. I'm not here to answer to the person that does evil. Neither are you. You are here to honor your Father. So I want to surrender. I want to transform mine. I want to be plugged in their church, serving God in the church. I mean, wouldn't it be great if the devil never messed with us again? Are we having a great time? Are we excited? Boy, we get the truth from Scripture, and oh, that was a transforming truth. Oh, that, that I'm just having such a good time serving and, and rejoicing with one another. And even, even there's something consoling about being able to shed a tear with, with a brother or sister in Christ. Oh, I'm, I'm loving that. And here comes Satan says, i got to stop that. Because you're advancing His cause. You have victory in your life. I'm going to try and overcome all that has been done. He does it with evil. Now what is our response? What we've learned in the, in the previous verses. I'm not here to... I'm here to, 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 to honor Christ. Okay, what did... Oh, I, I should have taken more time to do this, but I didn't think I'd be... Well, I am out of time. How would Christ... What did Christ say? The same thing is said in verse number 20. We're supposed to bless them. We're supposed to persecute them. We're not supposed to persecute them. We're supposed to do good to them. Was that not what he said? Is that not what he lived? My only goal is to please him. So it, does it matter? Here, I'm overcome with evil. Okay, I'm going to stop and I'm going to fight the devil with the devil. How's that going to work? I'm going to fight him in my own strength. You can't. There's only one way is when he comes with that evil, and he comes with that evil, and he brings those enemies, and that evil with an intent to harm, that evil with an attempt to discourage, that evil with an attempt to sidetrack, and you just respond as Christ would respond, there's no answer. He can't defeat it. Because good always overcomes evil. Because Christ is good. He is, he is the standard of good. He has overcome Satan. That's where it ties in with coals of fire. God doing the work. What is, what is, resist the devil and he will flee from you? You've heard that scripture? You can easily tie that with what we're talking about. Because sadly, there are too many Christians that will fold when evil comes. When you got saved, the, the blood of Christ washed you whiter than snow. When God looks at your record, He doesn't see your sins. He sees the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. There's nothing that can change that. You're in the hand of the Father. No man can pluck you out of the Father's hand. He cannot overcome the blood of the Lamb. 
He can't. And he cannot overcome Christians who just keep their eyes on him as they serve. Okay, you do this to me. This is how I'm going to respond. Okay, I'm just going to keep my eyes focused on living right and doing right. Okay, as painful as it is for me, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feed my enemy. I'm going to give drink to my enemy. I might put something in that, but I'm going to give them drink, drink to my enemy. What are you doing? You're overcoming the evil with how Christ would respond. You quit trying to make sense of it, Christian. It's just simple. It's Satan trying to overcome you. He does it to individuals. He does it to churches. The more surrendered you as a Christian become, oh, what wonderful things God's going to open up to you. And as a church, the more surrendered a church is to Him. That's why, we, that's why we're not going to be like this world. We have to be transformed. Oh, the things that are going to be opened up to us. But the devil's going to come. He's going to fight it. So what do we do? There's only one way to overcome it. Only one way to overcome it. And that's with good. Be not subdued, but subdue. How do you subdue? Through Christ. Through Christ. Love your enemies. Don't you wish you could just take some things out of the Bible? But when Christ was on that cross, He loved the very people who put Him there. That's why we have salvation. So what, what, a, what a close to a marvelous chapter. Something tells me if, if we live this, Wow, what a difference it'd make. But it's in our own life. I trust that I trust that we'll be.